So let's get started today. We're going to continue to talk about the book of Genesis, and today we're in chapter 13 and 14. You know, I thought about titling this sermon, A Lot to Lose, A Lot to Gain, because you're going to see here that that's exactly what happened in this relationship between Abram and Lot. Now, if you remember from last week, I want to just catch you up if you weren't here, Abram had been told by God to go without a destination. He said, you just go, Abram, and trust me, which he did. He was a very faithful man. He was also told to go without taking his family other than his wife, which he did not do because he took his nephew Lot and his family with him also. So really faithful, but maybe not so good at following instructions. A great famine had hit the land, so they went to Egypt, uh, where Abram lied about his wife being his sister for fear of the men killing him because, frankly, his wife was incredibly hot. That's a paraphrase, okay? The Pharaoh took her as his wife, and curses came on him because he took Abram's wife, but he didn't know it. He He didn't even know that that was the truth. So the Egyptian king sent Abram and his family out of Egypt. He exiled them, told them to get out of there. And that's where we pick up our story of what's happening today. And we see that the first point in our story today is that conflict arises between Abram and Lot. Wow. Conflict arises between Abram and Lot. And let's look at Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Here's what it says. So Abram went up from Egypt he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together, and there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Now you see here that this conflict arises between Abram and Lot, And there really were three uh, reasons listed there. The first one was uh, they simply had too many animals to stay in one place together. Uh, Now, I'm not uh, an expert on herding or uh, shepherding, uh, but the problem was that uh, when you have uh, sheep and other animals, they eat grass. And there's a limited supply of that. And so they basically were so wealthy, they had so much stuff that they couldn't live together anymore because the herds just couldn't stay alive. That was the first part of the conflict. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just simply uh, circumstances. The second reason given was that their hired hands were becoming hostile towards one another because they were trying to give their masters uh, the best land for their flocks. So think about this. You've got uh, these herdsmen that are responsible to their boss for, for getting these animals onto a place where they can eat well. But there's a limited number or a limited amount of uh, pasture So you're kind of pushing each other out and you're kind of vying for position to get uh, your master's flock onto the best land. So this this hostility is brewing. And then, of course, the other reason was the land wasn't even owned by either one of them. Uh, These guys were sojourners. So they're in the land wandering. It wasn't even owned by either one of them. The fact is, if you think about it, their great blessing was really the problem for them. Now, In our culture, we mostly think newer is better, 
More is better, bigger is better, right? Not necessarily so. One of the things you'll hear about lottery winners is, for the very first time, they worry about their kids being kidnapped. Now think about that for a minute. Uh, You've been barely able to pay your bills your whole life. You never worry about somebody nabbing your kids for ransom because, you know, you got $42.18 in your bank account. Who wants that? But all of a sudden, you become this millionaire, and by the way, everybody knows it, and so all of a sudden, you have to worry about this. You see, uh, sometimes great uh, financial and material blessings can actually be a curse. Think about this brand new lobby. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Guess what? It all had to be cleaned before today. It's big. And there's a, there's a lot of places to get dirty in that place. So all these blessings sometimes, these material blessings, cannot uh, not just be a, a, a blessing, but sometimes have a curse with them. More newer and bigger is not always better, folks. And that is the mind of a materialistic person. Now, these guys weren't materialistic. They were, they were just incredibly blessed. But this conflict was coming because of this incredible blessing they had. And so what do they do? So this conflict comes. What do you do with conflict? Well, we see. Abram has a plan. He yields to Lot because he valued his relationship over anything else. Now, listen, if you miss everything else today, if you tune me out the whole rest of today, which I hope you won't do, I want you to hear this part, okay? Don't miss this. Look at Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, and let's see what Abram does to alleviate this conflict. It says, Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. It's not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. That was the plan. Abram gives Lot his first choice of the land. Now they're basically standing in a place where they can see the land for or miles and miles and miles in every direction. And Abram says, listen, take your pick. Now think about this. Abram was entitled to have what he wanted. He was the elder one. He was the uncle. He was clearly in charge, and yet he gave preference to Lot. Didn't have to. He just said, listen, Lot, even though I'm entitled, you you just pick. Take your pick. Now, we should all take a lesson from Abram right here to value relationships above anything else but we don't. Sometimes other things get in our way. We have to value relationships above avoiding conflict. Avoid resolving conflict. You know, sometimes we just want to avoid conflict altogether. Now, I know we're all different personalities, and, you know, I'm one of those people that I kind of embrace conflict. I I try not to create it, you know, but, but I embrace it. When it happens, I, I want to get in there. I want to fix it. I want to figure it out. I want to work through it and get rid of it. Now, I know others of you have personalities where you're like, conflict, ooh, even saying the word makes me a little uncomfortable. I, I want to avoid it at all costs. I don't want to have anything to do with conflict. I just want to pre- pretend it doesn't exist. But here's the problem with conflict. It doesn't go away. It just festers like an open wound, right? It doesn't go away. 
And here's the problem with avoiding conflict. When you avoid conflict, think about this. You're really more scared of the conflict than you love the person in the relationship. In other words, if I have a relationship, if I'm in a relationship with my wife and we have a conflict, if I'm too afraid or I want to avoid it, really what's happening is I'm afraid of this conflict higher than I really love her. Because if I really love her, I'm going to want to get rid of the conflict, you see. And so sometimes our fear of conflict is even greater than how much we value someone. True value in relationships, folks, forces us to face and resolve conflict. Abram loved his nephew Lot, and he wanted to get rid of this conflict. We should also value relationships more than winning an argument, Now, in that moment, I didn't look, but I know some of you just looked at your spouse, okay? Listen, Abram had every single argument on his side. He should have been the one to pick first, but he didn't. If there was a debate between Lot and Abram, Abram would have won on every single point. I mean, unless Lot brought something something up and said, well, I'm younger and better looking or something frivolous, there was no argument at all for Lot. We should value our relationships more than winning. Sometimes, sometimes we act like we want to win at all costs, including the relationship. Now, this church is full of smart people, full of smart people, but I got to tell you, one of the things that's probably the dumbest thing that we as humans do is when I want to, I want to win no matter what. In fact, I'm willing to give up my relationship with this person because I want to win so badly. That's just dumb. I tried to work out another word that was kinder than that. I can't figure one out, okay? It's just silly of us to do that. And so we need to value our relationships way better or way more than winning an argument. We also should... Uh, value our relationships more than physical blessings. We don't know this in the story yet, but there is clearly a better choice. In other words, all of the land wasn't the same. It wasn't like Abram was pulling a fast one on Lot and said, hey, look, there's good land, there's good land, there's good land, there's good land, there's good land. Why don't you pick one and I'll take another one of the good lands? That wasn't the choice. And we're going to see that in a minute. Sometimes we want physical blessings at the cost of others. When conflict arises, we need to focus on maintaining and improving our relationships. Every single conversation that we go into having a conflict, our first priority should be, our first thought in our mind should be, I'm going to leave this conversation uh, uh, loving this person more and them loving me more. And then we'll work out our conflict. Folks, life is all about relationships That's what it's about in the end. It's our relationship with God and others. Nothing else is important. Nobody is going to stand over our casket one day and say, man, that guy was right more than anybody I know. This is not going to happen. But there will be a lot of people there to talk about the relationship they had with us. And what's funny is we sometimes, either we don't get this or we just forget it. Thomas Watson, as some of you may recognize his name, was a founder of IBM. He entered a meeting one day where many of the company's problems were being discussed by the upper management. On the table sat a stack of papers like that, which identified some of the biggest threats 
to the future success of IBM. After a lot of discussion and quite a bit of time, Watson got up out of a chair, he walked over to the pile, and he swept his hand through the pile and said, folks, the problem is not a series of issues, the problem is we forgot to love our customers. Now, why do companies get that? And we don't get that. In every situation, we should really think about taking Abram's uh, strategy here and just yielding. Now, I know there's some times where there's a moral issue and things like that where you can't do that. I get it. But when you're talking about, you know, a husband and wife finding about the color of a car, just yield. Just yield. Get over it. My family's laughing because we've had that problem. Okay. (laughs) Next we see. Maybe that's the end of the sermon. Oh, no. I want you to see here. (laughs) Surprise ending for me. Uh, Look what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Do you want to be blessed by God? I do. I want to be blessed by God. You know how you can be blessed by God? Be a peacemaker. Don't be a troublemaker. The Bible never says, blessed are the troublemakers. It doesn't say it a single time. Be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker, and God will bless you. We see after this that once Abram gives Lot his choice, what does Lot do? Well, Lot chooses based on the selfish principle of what is best for himself. He does exactly what Abram probably knew he was going to do, and he chose what was best for him. Look at verses 10 through 13 of chapter 13. It says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. And yeah, thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Notice some of the language in here. It said, so Lot chose for himself. He never consulted God. He never asked God. He never even said, uncle, what do you want to do? What would you like to do? He basically said, Uncle Abram gave me the choice. I'm taking it. Do it. I'm going to take what's best for me. And he chose the whole Jordan Valley. Now, I don't want to go through a whole maps thing with you, uh, but basically, you've got the Dead Sea and the Jordan River runs north and south right out of the Dead Sea. And uh, when they're standing where they were standing, he could look at the whole valley. And what would would have made really the most sense would have been to say the lush valley next to the river on both sides would be perfect. Uncle Abe, you take one half and I'll take the other side of the river. It'll keep our herd separate and we can both have this wonderful, great spot. But he didn't do that. He said, I want it all. I'm going to let you go that direction toward the desert. I'm going to take all the good ground, which is exactly what uh, Abram let him do. He took the whole Jordan Valley for himself. Notice he also moved closer to Sodom, kind of in the suburbs, with no thought, no thought for his spiritual well-being. 
but only for his benefit. We will later see that he moves from his tent outside the city in the suburbs to a house in the city of Sodom, where the Bible says that their reputation was one of wickedness. And we're going to see that happen later in the book of Genesis. So Lot chooses, based on the selfish principle of what is best for him, he takes the best thing and leaves Abram with the worst. And so what, is, what happens to Abram? Well, he receives a blessing, a blessing promise from God. Look at verses 14 through 17. So the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, pay attention to that, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. God promises to give all the land around Abram to him and his descendants, even what Lot has chosen for himself. That was also included. Abram, by yielding and giving the land up, God is promising to give it back to him. And God's basically saying here in these words, he's been saying, listen, Abram, just walk as far as you can go. It's all yours. It's all yours. North, south, east, west, you pick. It's going to be all yours and your descendants forever. Also notice, and I made mention of it, that God did not tell him this until he separated from Lot. Now, remember in the beginning, he told Abram not to take anybody with him, and he did take Lot, and this conflict arose. But now, even through circumstances, when Abram finally comes into obedience... God is blessing him again. Folks, there's there's just an eternal principle there. When we do our own thing, God pulls his blessing back. When we are living in obedience to him, he offers his blessing to us. That's not always financial blessing. It's not always, you know, health, wealth, and all that stuff. But it is blessing. It is blessing. And some of the spiritual blessings are greater than any you can purchase with gold. Now, the kings of the cities in the Jordan Valley, they kind of team up, and we're not going uh, to skip some verses to talk about who was on whose side and all that kind of thing. You can read it for yourself there in Genesis 14. But basically, four of the cities uh, attack five of the cities. And so you've got these cities and these kings kind of teaming up and having this war. Sodom, where Lot is living in the suburbs, it falls to the other side. And look what happens to Lot. He's taken captive in battle. Verses 11 and 12 of chapter 14 say this. So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and his possessions and went their way. So we see here Lot's taken captive. He becomes a prisoner because he chose to live in Sodom. Now I want to be careful to never add to God's word or say that it says something it doesn't say but I do wonder, what if, what if Lot hadn't chose this? If he wasn't there when this war took place, maybe he wouldn't be this captive. This is really a result, his captivity is a result of him choosing selfishly to get what was best for him. And so Lot now is taken prisoner. 
even in light of Lot's selfishness and his self-centeredness, the fact is he's still Abram's nephew. And Lot's father is dead. And so Abram's kind of looking after him. So what does Abram do to this selfish, self-centered guy that gets himself in trouble? He rescues him. He rescues him. Look at Genesis 14, 14 through 16. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them. And he went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possessions and the women and the people. Now, when I read this, uh, and I know my mind doesn't work like everybody else's brain. I, I, I'm well aware of that already. But when I read this, I think of the movie Taken. Have you all seen that movie Taken? So in this movie, uh, this guy's daughter, he's, a, he's an ex-CIA agent. His daughter gets taken uh, captive. She gets kidnapped. And uh, he, she's actually calling dad when he, she's in the middle of getting kidnapped. And he gets the kidnapper on the phone and he says, I have a very special or particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Now, I think about Abram. He finds out that his nephew Lot is in captivity, and what does he do? He says, okay, I'm going to take 318 of my best men, and we're going to go get him back. We're going to to go get him. Now, he had a very specific set of skills, too. It wasn't karate and weapons. It was God's blessing, God's favor, which is always better. Now, we don't know exactly how many men were in the the army that he attacked, but to be able to take over Sodom and Gomorrah, it had to be thousands. It had to be thousands. So he's got 318 of the guys to live in his house, attacking thousands in another army. And with God's blessing and God's help, he goes and takes Lot back. That's amazing. That's just a miracle of God. Lot is really lucky to have an uncle like Abram. So what's Abram's uh, kind of, you know, reward for this? Well, he receives another blessing from God. Verses 18 through 20 say this. It says that, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him, Abram. And he said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So Abram gets this other blessing from God. Now this is a very interesting passage of scripture here. Because as we talked about, Genesis means book of firsts or firsts. And there are a lot of firsts in these two verses here. First of all, King Melchizedek comes out of nowhere. We have no idea who he is. We have no idea where he came from or all of that kind of thing at this point. Now, you can read about him in Hebrews and learn a lot more about him. But at this point, uh, we don't know who he is. But his name means king of righteousness. King of righteousness. So he is a righteous king. And when it says he's the king of Salem, that means he's the king of peace. getting any connections what does he bring he brings bread and wine 
Scripture gives no idea why in this passage. It doesn't have any, it just doesn't say any explanation at all for why he brings bread and wine. But being on this side of the gospel, of the life of Jesus, we have every idea why that is. Jesus used bread and wine to, uh, uh, to represent and symbolize his broken body and his blood spilled out for us on the cross. The fact is, we are all selfish at times. We are all self-centered at times and want what's in our best interest at times. And we are all sinners. We are in need of God's forgiveness. And the only way that we can receive forgiveness is through the death of Jesus Christ. This is a precursor to the gospel. This is a, this is a preview. This is like going to, to the movies and seeing the previews beforehand. This is a preview of what's coming. It's a messianic representation of Jesus in the future. And if you read about him in Hebrews, you'll see that that's all true. In response, in response to this blessing, what does Abram do? He gives him a tithe. He gives 10% of everything he just got, everything, to the priest. He's not commanded to. He's not, he's not told to. He's not obligated to. He just chooses to because of God's great blessing. Folks, this is, this is a picture of what our giving should be like. We should not come here and feel obligated. We should not have our arm twisted. We should not be giving for any other reason, but we are in deep appreciation and in love with the God who sent his son Jesus to die for us. It should just, man, every Sunday you should just come in here and go, man, I get to do this again. Thank you, Lord. That's what Abram did. Then last thing we see is that Abram trusts God and avoids feeling obligated to the king of Sodom. Look in verses 21 through 24. It says, And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have already eaten and the share of the men who went with me. The king of Sodom offers Abram basically a ransom. But Abram knows the heart of the king of Sodom. He knows he's leading a wicked city full of wicked men. He says, no, I'm refusing to take anything but what had previously been his through Lot. Abram doesn't want to be indebted to this man. Now, we should, we should listen to this, folks. When people want to do us favors, sometimes it's just out of the goodness of their heart and they want to bless us. Listen, if you have a surgery and somebody comes from this church to bring you a meal, there's no obligation, there's, no, there's nothing expected back. We're just loving you and blessing you, okay? But that's not always how it is. And I don't know why movies must have been in my head this week, but I thought about the Godfather when I thought about this, you know? Because on his daughter's wedding day, he would do favors for people. And then he would say something like this, someday, and that day may never come, I will call upon you to do a service for me. But until that time, accept this as a gift. <laughs> Basically, the king of Sodom 
at least Abram's concern was, the king of Sodom was going to be, hey, listen, man, thank you, Abram. Thank you for doing this. Here's a big reward for you. But someday, I may need your help. And I'll go, hey, Abram, remember who made you rich? I got a favor for you. Abram said, I don't, want to, I don't want to be indebted to this man. I don't want to be indebted to anybody, but certainly not an evil man with evil motives leading an evil city. And so he refused it. Now, folks, as we see this biblical passage, I know this is Genesis, and for some of us, we thought, oh, man, Genesis, there's not going to be anything applicable to my life. Are you kidding? I mean, I read this story, and I just think, God, help me be Abram, not Lot. Help me to, to want to resolve conflict and to yield to others when it's morally acceptable. Help me to give in. Help me to not have to win everything. Help me to not have to out-argue everything. God, help me be more like Abram, getting your blessing for being faithful and obedient rather than maybe placing myself in captivity because of my selfishness and my self-centeredness. The fact is, folks, I think we can all see ourselves either in Abram or in Lot. And if we're all honest, maybe some days it's one, maybe some days it's other. Let's leave this passage saying to ourselves, God, help us live consistently more like Abram and not be a Lot. That can be taken several ways, can't it? I don't want to be a lot. I don't, okay. But I think that's what we should think of as we leave here today, okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, for the way that it leads us and guides us. It gives us tremendous insight into who you are and into what you want from us and into who we should be. God, help us as we hear your word and we hear the truth of it come out. Help us to be more like Abram. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to be uh, uh, just uh, selfless, especially when it comes to conflict. Help us to leave relationships better off than they were. God, help us to avoid being like Lot. Help us to not live self-centered and self-serving. Help us not to forget that life is really about relationships. Help us to nurture our relationship with you and nurture our relationship with each other. God, help us to be those kind of people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.